welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's podcast episode is sponsored by Impera. Impera is the strategy software as a service that can help you unlock the power of strategy in your business. With Impera, it democratizes strategy within your business, making your business strategy smart, simple, and clear. Impera's goal is to assist businesses to create, manage, and maintain their business strategy across all their teams with tools that assist and reward accountability. Some of Impera's key features are powerful integrations with the world's most popular SaaS solutions, engaging tutorial videos, KPIs, task management tools, executive dashboards, strategy builders, 24-7 support, and more. Launching in early 2022, Impera is offering a free 30-day trial and 50% off the first six months when you sign up pre-launch. This will be open to late November, so make sure you get in now. Visit www.impera.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-A-A.com. Today's podcast guest is Colleen Cohen. Colleen has been involved in the Australian equipment rental industry for the past 47 years, which is an absolute amazing achievement. And she first joined through Coates Hire in the, in the 70s and has worked at companies such as Abbott Hire, National Hire, RentQuip, and is currently working for Baseplan Software. I'm really excited to just learn more about Colleen's journey in the industry because she's worked alongside a lot of the industry greats and what what a great opportunity to really sit down and chat to somebody that's been in the industry, as I said, for 47 years. So Colleen, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry? That goes back a very long time. And at the age of 21, I found myself back in Sydney from overseas and I was looking obviously for a job and I lived in Carringbar and a job came up on the, uh, for Coates Hire at Miranda. I wanted something close. I didn't really have a car at that point. And it was for a punch tape operator which is really going back a long time. And that's what I did when I lived in New Zealand. So I applied for the job and the date stays in my mind. It was the 14th of January. Can't remember the year, but I I started as punch tape operator. Wow. So just for the listeners, what is a punch tape operator? (laughs) (laughs) Well, instead of entering data straight into a computer or on cards, like an old ledger machine would work, you would enter the data and it would, punch holes in paper tape and you would process the all the transactions on that and then those big tapes would go over to in those days it was to a and i industries at lincoln and they would process their tapes through these giant computers to record the transactions wow <laughs> so how, how many people were doing these punch tapings when i was at Coates, yeah just two of us Wow. So what, every single transaction went through you two? Yeah. I can't remember how many branches they had to start with there, maybe half a dozen or so. So they would send their invoices in. The invoices were manually calculated. We all had a calculator on our desk, one that, you know, actually plugged in. 
And um, we'd check all the calculations. You had books you had to refer to to see if damage waiver applied or not. Um, then they would get checked and then they would get processed on the punch through the punch tape machine. Wow. So January 14th, what year is this? Mid-70s-ish. Mid-70s. No, it okay. can't be. Early 70s. Early 70s. And so, mm. so you started as the, the punch tape operator and then what happened? <laughs> the lady that ran the office there, Elsie Turner, a wonderful lady. I was bored. She showed me different areas of the administration side. So I went to calculating invoices. And then over the years, I ended up doing all the jobs. I did debtors, creditors. She taught me reconciliations. I was a receptionist. I was a secretary. I ended up doing the New South Wales payroll. So I got to do all bits of the industry. And when I, I played secretary for a little while and I used a, another name from the past, a telex machine. <laughs> you can ask me uh, what a telex machine is. Yep, you I'm asking enter, that again. You could enter a message to someone elsewhere and it would come out on the telex machine. This is way before faxes. And you could ring the bell on your telex machine and it would ring the bell on theirs to let them know a message has come through. So then did you get involved a lot on the operations as well, like on the front line? Not so much in the early days, more so I left Coates, had both my children. Then um, when I went back to work, I didn't go back to Coates. I was there for nine years, but Gary Butler had bought a business called Abbott Hire and uh, he wanted me to help him there with the manual work. So I started there. And it was there that I got to, everything was manual there. You had to write up all the invoices, write the statements, do all that. But then I got a chance to go out and stand at the counter and start serving people and learning about equipment. Um, and I really enjoyed that hands-on bit at that point. It was good fun. Okay, so what you got pulled into Abbott Hire and then you worked there for a period of time? What happened was uh, Abbott Hire, St George Hire and Stephen Donnelly Hire merged to become National Hire. Wow. Okay. Now we're going back in time. We are right. a long, long way back. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what was the dynamic then? Because three significant businesses that sort of merged into one, like what, what was it like being involved in that? Exciting times. Once again, when I was started at Abbott Hire, we moved to a computer system that had the big five inch floppy disk. <laughs> So we used to process the information on that. And then uh, we installed a software system called Trilogy. And um, we started using that system. When we all merged, then um, Stephen Donnelly Hire and St. George already used the Trilogy system. So it was easy to merge the three together. It was um, another exciting time. So the office grew from two or three of us to four or five of us. And that's all that were there at the time. It was good. So, so when you're at Abbott High, you're more on the front line as well, sort of working with customers and sorting out hires and stuff like that. Yeah, I got to do that as well. It wasn't my main job, but I did get to do that because you're forever going out saying to them, what does this say? I can't read it. Um, and got the chance to, you know, talk to the boys, um, see the process that they went through we ended up writing lots of procedures for them 
I had to give them procedures for their end of days and how they processed information there. So we customised that a bit. So I got to write lots of training stuff as well. But I've always had a bit of a, um, a love for tools and machinery. And I got that from my dad. I had a garage just full of stuff I'd never used, but I loved having having the equipment in my garage. So, yeah, it was well, right. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So obviously you stayed in the industry and I guess that was going to be one of my follow-up questions. Like what about the industry that made you want to stay? And you obviously had kids and then came back. So like, was it the ability of just the people or the industry or, or the, the customers or the equipment? Like what, what was the things that you loved? Well, the start of it came from, um, I knew the stakeholders in national hire quite well. So I didn't really want to feel like I let them down for a start. And I had been doing it for more than 10 years already. So, well, for about 10 years already. So it was something I already knew well um, and thought that, you know, I always thought I could make a change, you know, that you'd put systems in and things in place that would matter. And that gave me a lot of satisfaction. So it sounds like you got involved a lot when there was change management or the implementations of certain systems in there. So like, was that something that you really liked from the start or like who's sort of pushed in that direction? Because I was managing the office, each step forward that we took was I was involved in and um, I put two different systems in. I put the um, trilogy system in, um, wrote all the documentations, implemented that into all the branches. And then I said, Stephen Donnelly Hire already had that. So that was easy to merge together. We grew out of that system. And then it was time to go looking for another system. And I was still the office manager. So it was my job to go and find something else. So, and I loved that, that I really enjoyed that sort of thing. The mergers and acquisitions part going and, um, you know, seeing these other companies. It was exciting when, you know, you bought another company or keep growing, actually. It was really good. Then uh, once we became National High, there was lots of training to do by then because you, know, you could do leadership and all these other courses that way back in the years gone by um, weren't available. So I enjoyed all that as well. So let's go up to National High then. You start at National High. Like what's your role when it becomes one? Okay, office manager. Well, administration coordinator, it was called. What was the transition? Because was it just pure growth like what, what was what did the team look like well there was um people from each of the businesses that were very good at their own roles so i managed admin there was another person that took over the managing of the workshop uh, another person took over the rental side of it another person took over the advertising and marketing which we hadn't had before did that role and another person took over looking after access and toilets. That person, by the way, was Greg Parfit. I think you know his name. He looked after that side of the business as well. So there were four or five uh, coordinators, we were called, of each of the departments. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, what, what are some, some of the names that were thrown around back then? Adrian Manning, when I started um, just before the merge, when I, I used to work for um, St. George Rentals on weekends doing their book work and Adrian Manning was the hire controller, not even the, the branch manager at that point. Um, that's where I first met him. Neil Wallace was working as the mechanic in the workshop and 
as you probably know, he went on to um, work for National Hire and then he moved on and bought his own business called RentCrip down in Mittagong. So, wow. yeah, I just interesting to watch these boys grow from, you know, young, young boys to the positions that they had in the end. It was um, a, a really, uh, when you sit back and look at it, it was really nice to see that growth. Mm. And so how long did you stay at National Hire for? I was there just a little over 17 years. Wow. And so yeah. did you continue to put systems in at National Hire as well? Like what was your, your role as well, a guru? The interesting part of that, when I had part of my job was to go and find a new uh, computer system because we were growing out of the one we had. We needed uh, better reporting. In those days, it was the old green screen you had to enter the data into. Um, the reporting wasn't very good out of that system. And so uh, there was each of the department heads. We all went to the United States because it was supposed to be done, you know, bigger and better and um, to look for various things. You know, the guy that looked after the rental side, he went looking for equipment. The service guy went looking for how it was done over there. So we all had our own roles. Um, so we would visit other hire companies and each spread out and I'd go and talk to admin and we'd all um, come back with our own information. It was quite hard to find a system over there that would do what we wanted it to do. But the interesting part was that I thought, never been to America before, that this was going to be like awesome. They were going to do everything so well. And um, I came back thinking, you know what? We do it better. We were much better at keeping our yards clean, organized. Um, we had better systems in place, better processes in place. It was quite, quite an eye-opener for me. Wow, so what system did you end up choosing? Like what, what happened then? Like what was the transition? Another interesting story. We were looking at wind systems, but we wanted something that was more uh, supported in Australia. And then I found this company called Baseplan. So I rang up and just said who I was, where I was from. Can someone please give me a call back so I can talk to them about this? Um, heard nothing. So a second phone call to say, yeah, really want to talk to you. Can you come out and give us a demo, please? Um, and then he came out and gave us a demo. It did take a couple of years before National Hire actually committed to implementing it but it was by far the at that point going back um probably i don't know 20 years more i can't remember it was by far the best system and it was supported in australia so that swung it over for us and so what then you were responsible for implementing base plan into the business as well interesting story that one as well we started um with the implementation of this at I need to probably backtrack a bit. Um, there was a young hire controller that worked at our Willoughby branch called Shane Horvath. And Shane was um, very interested when I'd go out, do anything with modems or whatever I was doing out there, which was not much because they weren't very technical then, um, was very interested in that. And then he ended up coming over and helping with what started the transition onto base plan. But right about that time, I had a call from Neil Wallace to say, we need you. Will you come and implement this 
for us. Um, so that's when I left National Hire to go and work for Rentquip. Still implementing, they had also a trilogy, getting them over to Base Plans SBE. So I first started working with them closely, not from National Hire. I started working with Base Plan, putting it in there. Okay, wow. So, so I left right at the critical time. Wow. Okay. And so what, then there was another team that was responsible for implementing Base Plan International yes. Hire? Shane ran that team, yes. And there were some pretty yeah. big names on that 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 list as well that have sort of emerged into other businesses. Yeah. Well, I think like Stuart Dean was on that list. I think Ben Waterhouse was also on that team. Correct. They see their names I couldn't recall, but yes. Yeah. I still remember, yeah, Shane talking about them, but that's... That's quite amazing. So then, so then you implemented base plan. Was it, you were implementing base plan at Neil Wallace's business? Was that the, uh, the plan? The, we had a different version. Um, National Hire got the um, big company version, if you like, and they also had a small business version, which I impl implemented into Renquip Mitagong, and then I was contracted out to put it in Renquip. Um, Dremoin because that was a same business that was Neil's brother Jason and then when I put it into those two places um, I was contracted out to other companies who were putting it in so I also contracted and implemented it into BTC which was I can't remember who it was sold to absorbed but it's turned that was working for um, Peter Geelan I think was that one yeah Luke it was for Luke Geelan he had that one so yes it was so I got to work in a lot of places um implementing the same system so I had a good relationship with base plan long before I actually worked for them mm, wow okay cool. and so so do you think that like your love for then implementing software and change management started because I guess in the early days you were manually entering everything and then watching the business evolve over times like really just watching an entire industry evolve into a new form of yeah. technology. Yeah. I remember the day we got the first fax machine. That was interesting. <laughs> you know, this brand new machine that had this paper that faded terribly that we could just fax information to the branches. So it was, I mean, that sounds like um, a long time ago, but really it wasn't that long ago. Wow. So we, and I was excited. Again, I love, and I love technology. I, I love it. So, you know, that and playing with tools and getting to work in yards and, um, yes, it was my, that, uh, exciting, exciting times. So then, I even got to work at um, Bexley Branch as a branch manager for a short time when they didn't have one. So I did, you know, I have worked at the coalface as such. That's amazing. So then, so then how did you end up at base plan then? Yes, well, I was still working for Neil, but the system was in and running and really it was in and running at these other companies and there wasn't much more for me to do. So I called Baseplan and asked them if they would give me a job. <laughs> it worked out fine for me. My kids, you know, I left Coates to have my children and I left Rent Quit because my kids left home um, and they went to live in New Zealand. So it was my chance to sell up and move to Queensland. So that's when I rang Baseplan base and asked them if they had a spot for me. Hmm. And I'm assuming they said yes straight away. They did. They said yes. Um, although I was a contractor for 12 months. Um, but yes, I ended up staying there. And I continued to implement the SBE, which I'd already done when I worked for Rainquip, in other companies 
who are now all onto the bigger system. But yes, or they're not in the industry, or they've been bought up by somebody. Yeah. Wow. And so then, what was your evolution working at Baseline then? So you started as a contractor and like what, yep, what, doing what implementations, implement implementations and training was the first part, um, and I really did enjoy that. It was really good. Um, and then, well, I've been a base plan for 17 years now, so as long as I was at National Hire. So um, as base plan grew as a business, which is another exciting time to see, you know, people it growing, it's a, a, a good product that I'm happy to say. And it's, um, I just thought that it would be nice to do support side of it, get to talk to customers again. So um, when I asked if there was a spot for me to do support, that was another yes. So here I am in support. Wow. So, so when you first started implementing the SBE system and then you look at what Baseline looks like today, like does it sort of blow your mind how much things have evolved? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the SBE was on an access system, so using an access database. But when you see how big it is now and what it can do and yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a system that you can't fully know everything. It's good um, for our customers to have specialists in different areas because you can't possibly know everything about everything. But if you specialise, say, in the servicing part, then that's your what you're really, really good at as a customer side of it. You know, let someone else learn the um, uh, supplier side, let someone else do the rental side because your brain will just fill up with the amount of information and knowledge and what the system can do. Hmm. So, so being involved in so many change management projects and implementations, like hmm. irrelevant of what system they're choosing as a, as a rental business, like what advice would you give to somebody that's preparing hmm. to change systems? To be sure of the product, to fully understand what um, is involved in the process. Make sure that there is, um, if you were on the customer side, that there is someone dedicated to learning the system in their own areas, to learning the system, to be able to train on that part of the system. Because if you go in, yeah, let's put that in, that'll do with no one managing the process, um, it usually doesn't go well. If, you, if, our, if our clients have someone looking after the change, the transition from one to the other at their side, it works much better from our side to be able to um, interact with that one person. If you, don't, if you don't have someone dedicated to doing that, it's not gonna end well. Yeah, no, it's, it's good advice. And I think yeah, a lot of people underestimate the effort to, the, 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 the funny quote I always heard of someone once told me changing ERP systems is like trying to get changed on the highway. Like you, you don't do it very often. <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah, that's right. And it's just as um, precarious, I suppose, because you have to make sure you've covered everything that the transition is the smoothest you can get. The disruption to your branches or to your um, people is um, the least it can be. When they all have learning curves because each of the departments there have to learn the system as well, but you don't want them to be offline for you know a week and have to catch them on a week's worth of data um, because then they'll hate the system straight away. But 
to be involved, to have the other people involved in it as well. So, you know, everyone go, gets on board with the change. And so were you working at Baseplan when it was implemented into Coates then? Because eventually National and Coates merged and then they implemented Baseplan, I believe. Uh, yes, I was actually, yes. Oh, so you would have seen another big implementation of a business that you were involved in in the past. Correct. And it's like this great big circle then because I started at Coast, became national, started a base plan and watched Coats change back to base plan. It's like this whole circle. Mm. Wow. Wow. It's, it's quite amazing. It's, it's amazing how much you've seen happen over the years and all the, I guess, like, as you mentioned, it's nice knowing, like, for example, the Adrian Manning thing, knowing that he was the, the um, working in, in a branch and then today he's number two at Coates. Like knowing As that those sort of people. He wasn't even the branch manager. He was the higher controller. We did get to branch manager, but I'm going back a very, very long time where, you know, I can't work out the dates while I'm talking to you. But um, yes, to see someone grow like that um, is really good, really amazing. Mm. Mm. And so what was it like working with Stephen Donnelly? Um, it was good. Um, I enjoyed working with Steve. He has um, a vision, had a vision of, you know, how things should be and where they should go. Um, and the three people together, which was Rob Wallace, who's not with us anymore, and Steve Donnelly and Gary Butler, um, put in a lot of effort to um, grow this company to where they wanted it to be. At that point, we had someone called Ron Lawson, who is also deceased. Um, he drove the company to do lots of, you know, um, training courses. And one of the visions, one of our visions at National Hire was to be a sustaining company and still be here 100 years on. A bit like, you know, Coates is still here 130 years on, but wanted to, um, us to be there at that point. Hmm. It was, uh, Steve has, um, yes, their visions were good. And it was nice to be there at that point because, you know, everyone was so young and um, keen and, and gung-ho to get all this done. And then we'd buy businesses and branches that grow and more training and very exciting time. It was lovely being part of it at that point. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So what was the, the energy like? It sounds like it was really like hyper growth. Like it was just, everyone was working for each other. Everyone was trying to grow the business. And it was just an exciting time to be really at the inception mm. of like the boom of hire in Australia. Yeah, well, there was some, you know, obviously there's been ups and downs economically with that. But um, if take that aside and just go at, you know, growing the business to part of the business growth plan was to purchase other rental companies part of it part of it was to grow the customer base that we already had so there was lots of ways to um, look at growing the industry to make it a little different yeah and so if you look back on the past 40 45 years is there any memorable moments that really step out to you look it's funny that um, there is one moment that for no particular reason I remember the Hire Association, the Hire Rental Association, had a lot um, of good ideas, input. Um, they were 
um, instrumental in implementing things like safety sheets. So I can remember where I was standing at Abbott Hire, might have been National Hire by then, um, where there was some information came through about a guy in America using a chainsaw and hurt himself quite seriously. I can't remember for the life of me what he did, but it was serious. And we were just saying, why would you do that? Like common sense, you don't do whatever it is, I can't remember. Um, and we were discussing the fact that it wouldn't be too long before um, Australia became like that and became a very, um, an industry where we could get sued at the drop of a hat, the general industry. Um, and there was um, around that time, I don't know, before, after, during that time, but the HRIA would put out the safety sheets on various pieces of equipment. So very, all companies could buy that. So then you started handing out safety sheets on, you know, how to use a chainsaw, how to use a whippersnapper without killing yourself. Um, they were instrumental in um, keeping the industry together and safe, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really something that's, I guess, taken a life of its own as well in the industry in terms of safety, like the amount of, I guess, effort companies are now going to ensure that their staff and their customers are safe when using machinery is a big thing. Like back mm -hmm. then, back when you, you go back to the 70s and 80s, what was safety like then? Um, well, people weren't silly, careless silly, but, you know, you could probably stand on the back of the two-ton tray as it, you know, just moved around the yard and, you know, hung off the side of it to make sure you didn't hit a pole or things that these days you wouldn't do, you know. Now everything beeps as you reverse it. Well, it wasn't around then. Um, so there's, you know, safety vests and um, just safety boots just a lot of things that you'd take for granted now that in those days were a bit, you know, careless, I suppose, carefree. Mm. Yeah. Not, all, not as aware of, like, now you have to be aware of everything, you know. You pick up your, I don't know, your pen. Am I going to stab myself or do I need a safety sheet? <laughs> I hope you're not stabbing yourself with your pen or killing yourself with a whippersnipper, <laughs> these two things. No, but, you know, some people, common sense... Um, some people don't have a, as much as probably they need when handling equipment that is heavy or can do damage. So. Mm. Yeah, especially if you've got like things that are dangerous. Like if people are yeah. operating like scissor lifts and stuff like that, you're, you're working at heights. So one mistake you and know, you can fall. Even now, you know, it's things that you notice. I um, saw, I drove past a place the other day that's having their roof. Oh no, they were having solar panels put on their roof. And to put them on the roof, they had to remove some tiles because that's where they tie down to underneath the tiles. And the two guys were walking around the roof without safety harnesses. So years gone by, I would have no wouldn't have noticed that. But these days they should have had a harness on if they're wandering around the roof in their runners, moving things around. Mm. Are, we, are we about to bust a company, are we? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I should have uh, run them though. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned the the HRIA. So, how important yeah. do you think that those like the HRIA or the ARA or any of the sort of trade associations are to the rental industry? 
I they're very important. It gives um, rental companies a chance to get together to discuss issues, any issues they have. I know in the early days, I'm going to digress again. In the early days, um, you know, they shared information like bad debts or cash customers who stolen equipment, and that would be shared through this fax machine, wonderful thing. Um, you would get um, an email, a fax machine that would say, you know, this customer is outstanding debt or stolen a machine. So you could put that in your computer and you could share it. And if you came across that customer, you could, you know, let the other people know that where they were or what they were renting. Um, a lot of that came from the hire association in those days. I don't know if it still does, but it gave the leaders of the industry a chance to talk about what was going on, the growth, the what should grow. It's they, um, the hire association would um, look after the um, trade shows, gave you a chance to talk to other suppliers in the industry. Um, and relationships like that um, are important for your business to keep growing. You need to have a good relationship with your suppliers and with other rental companies as well. So it gave a common cause. Um, I don't think we could, we, sounds like me, the industry. I don't think the industry would be um, uh, as good as it is without a central association looking after their welfare. And I guess it sort of talks about the rental industry or the hire industry in general on how connected everyone is. Like a lot of industries are very independent. Like people don't really communicate much, but it seems like everyone knows everyone and everyone's always trying to help each other out. Even just the fact, the concept of, of um, sub hire to a lot of people is very foreign, but just mm. that's a really good example of how connected everyone is. It is a great example. And it's an industry. And I said, I've got, I got, was in to the rental industry and I had girlfriends that were, you know, had these lovely jobs working for marketing companies or doing all this wonderful stuff, you know, and I worked at a rental company. But it's um, training new employees. It's this concept of rental just never twigged. Like, you know, you buy something, you get money, you don't keep it. And trying to teach new people that, no, you have a contract and this is how it works and how it goes together. So it's a bit... I'm going to say unique, but it is unique because there are other companies that do rental, like your TVs or whatever you rent to buy, but it's, it is unique and people um, are very uh, supportive. Each company is very supportive of other companies. Even though you're rivals, there is a, everyone has a common focus or a common goal to grow their business and be the best they can. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. And, and so you mentioned that a lot of your girlfriends are working at like marketing companies or other certain oh, industries. So over the years, yes. Yeah, what was it like for you then? Like, was it a bit of a boys club back in the day? Or like, what, what was the industry like? Uh, actually, it was very much a boys club. I'm, I'll just leave it. Yes, it was very much so. <laughs> so, so I guess, how did you navigate your way through that? Like, were you really... Uh, like, um, was it the based on your passion that you stayed in the industry or, or were you were they very welcoming like because it's probably one of the big factors in the industry today to really try and increase the number of women in in hire like it's a lot of companies are pushing that but if we go back 20 years ago like it was it was almost foreign i assume so like what how did you sort of unusual. navigate that 
it was unusual. At, when I was at Codes, we had um, two women um, who were in the sales side of it. They would go out and do the, you know, see customers and do the sales side of it. That was unusual. Eventually there were none. Uh, they were men. It's really a, um, I don't know. I, I guess it's um, my passion for that. And it ended up being more knowledge. The more you could learn, the more I could learn, the more valuable I could be. So being able to work in any department, understand the process, no matter where you were working, whether it was payroll or customers or suppliers or whatever you were doing, understanding all the processes that go with it. Um, and to top that off, I had a fairly good understanding of equipment and what was needed. And I did, when I worked behind the counter at Matraville at Abbott Hire, I do remember having a customer come in and he was asking for, oh no, first he said, I'll just talk to one of the boys. And I said, I can help you. No, 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 I'll just talk to one of the boys. I went, well, what is it you're after? And it took um, a bit of coaching to get him to tell me what he wanted to rent. Um, fortunately, it was something that I was very familiar with. Um, he wanted a water blaster. I was on a roll. Yes, what size do you want? What's the area you need to do? How long do you want to do it? Fine. Here's this bit and here's this bit. Here's, do you want a water hose to go with that? Or would you like a tap adapter? Or you can put this in here. And I, I rattled off all this stuff. And honestly, he stood there stunned. It was like, okay, you do know what you're talking about. You know, I couldn't do that every time, but there was a lot of, you know, all the basic stuff, compressors and breakers and water buses. And like, there's lots of things that went together and it was easy to learn that stuff. Just listening to the boys, you know, do the same thing. So, um, but it was hard because he didn't want to talk to me. He wanted to talk to one of the boys. Yeah. And I guess, so your, it sounds like your advice to new people in general that are coming into the industry to really put a lot of emphasis on learning the products and understanding yes. how they can solve the problems for customers. Yes. And if you get the chance, no matter which side, I suppose, or which role you do, and I know some companies probably can't do it anymore, but to let everyone have a chance to see how it works face-to-face -face with client, with customers, see what the interaction is, understand the equipment. It's all right to sit there and, you know, I don't know, make invoices or, or do some paperwork and it's just words. But when you know what it is and what it does and how it does it and, and all that, thanks to my dad again, um, is makes it more interesting, but it um, makes it... Uh, I don't want to say worthwhile. No, it just makes it more interesting. Having a chance to understand the whole business makes it more interesting. So then if we talk about mentors then, who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? The early days, I would go back to this lady, Elsie Turner, because she taught me everything, every aspect of the office working um, of a rental company. When I was at Coates, um, she and she she had a passion for it, and she was a she was my uh, she was definitely my mentor. I had the pleasure of running into her again about five years ago. Um, I cried. I gave a hug and I cried. <laughs> I was so happy to see her, and I said to her then, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am now. And um, she got a tear in her eye as well. It was really nice. Um, after that, I would be looking at. Um, the people that I admired more than mentored me that I admired, and that would be Rob Wallace and the Wallace family. 
in general. Um, they're uh, very uh, outlook on customer service and equipment and safety and uh, was always up there with the best of them. Then I would be going to, um, you know, Steve Donnelly. Again, he had that um, vision of where he wanted to go. Um, I had a lot of respect for what he did in those days um, and how he, you know, drove the company. If you could give young Colleen some advice, what would you say? Honestly, there were times I would have said, try a different industry because you know you can't go through all that time in the industry without having some ups and downs but i know it well and i would just say to you know give 110% if exactly what you want give it 110% like you did and be confident that it's going to work so in you know those days of my oh i don't know if i'll do it i don't know if i'll do this just do it trust your gut my gut said, stay there, do this. You know, I admire the people I worked for. You're basically saying, like, back yourself more, be, be more confident, yeah. know, know, know the direction you're going and, and push ahead. So has over yeah. the years, did your confidence grow with that? Yes, yes. So in the early days, it was, well, there's no one else, you know, I didn't really have anyone else to talk to about the where you were going in the industry. Well, in those days, it really wasn't where am I going? It's just I'm doing my job. And it was a bit of a, a, a tougher time. But these days, it's more uh, you take some extra time for what you're doing. Um, look at the future, where you want to be. And sorry, I forgot to mention before, make time for a work-life balance because in those days, um, you didn't. I gave up a lot of time to make sure that things were on time and got finished and uh, when I had young kids, fortunately, I had people around that helped with that. But um, yeah, make time, work-life balance. That's what I yeah. tell myself. Yeah, I think a lot of people get trapped in that that vicious cycle where they think if they work late nights, it's going to solve tomorrow's problem, and then they have the same cycle again and again and again and again. You felt like you had to, um, you know, prove yourself. I felt like I had to prove myself all the time, even though. It all worked all the time. <laughs> it just felt like you had to put in the hours to, you know, get it done. With our old system that we had in there, and anyone that still, you know, listens with, that had Trilogy would understand, to, at the end of month, we would work um, all night. So you'd go in at 3 or 4 and you'd walk out at 8 o'clock the next morning to get end of month done at end of month. It was hard, you know, but it was also... Um, you know, the everything worked, everything, no, no disruption to the company. Everything was nice and smooth. It's just, you know, a lot of us put in a lot of extra time because there was always two, at least two of us that would do that. Um, fortunately, these days that it's so much more automated and no one has to worry about doing those things. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I guess a lot of people don't realise how easy they have it in terms of creating a rental contract, putting things out on rent, managing all that sort of stuff compared to handwriting everything and looking things up and checking a rate card and checking a day book and all those sort of things or a whiteboard or whatever it is that the person's using. Yeah. Oh gosh, that probably was before whiteboards. It was all in the day book. <laughs> you had to flick through the pages. When did it come off higher? And you'd be flicking through pages trying to find out where it was. And 
you know, what colour highlighter highlighted it if it got done or it didn't get done or... How would you define success then? And has it, did that change over the years as well? At the time? Oh, that's a hard question. I guess at some point I was respected for doing what I did, maybe appreciated, um, for implementation and training and, and getting everything without any hiccups, you know. Obviously the office grew and everyone took different parts in it. So for me, my success personally was knowing that I did that well, well thought out, well, you know, and having to implement a system or we were taking over another company to be able to do that as smoothly as possible and come out of it and go, met my targets, got all done, timeline worked, I'm happy, you know. So that for me was success, getting the job done without any hitches really. And then today? Well, I, I don't know. I think I've, you know, with regarding my work life, I think, um, you know, I've done what I um, set out to do, even though I didn't know it in the beginning, because in the early days, you didn't plan that far ahead. You didn't, you know, all of this stuff came later and, you know, life goals and all of this stuff. We just didn't talk about it in those days. Um, but I've pretty much, you know, met my life goals, um, you know, with raising two normal, well-adjusted kids who have married and have grandchildren, thank you very much, um, and being able to work full-time, which I did, um, all through during that time, thanks to, you know, family and friends. I feel like I've succeeded in... Um, in that side of my life they certainly say that they're happy with their you know yes we knew you had to work so it's okay they're all right with that and more recently being able to appreciate what I've done in the past to get me where I am and to look at semi-retirement which is um you know I made it I made it through the industry I got to the beginning and I got to my end and I'm happy. I feel like I was success through my, I feel like my work life was a success. Oh, the whole definitely. Thing. Definitely. Well, it's like, I, there's not many people that can say they've been in higher for 47 years. So mm. it's a pretty big achievement. Yeah. And I got, and I got to do all of the jobs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Colleen. Well, thank you for coming on the rental journal podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. This podcast episode was proudly supported by our premier partner, Ken Outsider.